You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. This is Adam Gennady, and you are listening to Drinks with Tony. That's great. Now, can you sing it? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Adam Gennady. He's the author of After Tonight, Everything Will Be Different. Adam, how are you? I'm doing about as well as can be considered during this weird time. Is it? Yeah, I know. How long have we been saying that? What is that? What, what, are, are we almost saying that for two years? <laughs> it feels like feels like 20, I guess. It does. It, it's, it kind of blows my mind how time has shifted. And the last two years does feel like a lifetime. Yeah. I feel like I've been saying that same thing to people for, I don't know, a decade. Yeah. You know, time, time and doing as well as you can and all things considered. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it, and, the, and then that brings us to hope, which is, which I like, which is what I love how you tackle in the book. This we yearn for hope <laughs> yet. We, yet we, uh, we kind of don't get, get it often. <laughs> Oh, Essentially, yeah. Yeah, or, or did I, or did I get yeah. the whole point wrong? Did I get the whole broad stru- brush stroke wrong? <laughs> well, I, I, that's that's in there for sure. That's I, I'm kind of like the last person to know what the book's about because I'm pretty close to it. So I just kind of yeah. threw a bunch of junk in there, and you know, hopefully, hopefully the good parts come out and the bad parts don't. Well, uh, you you threw you threw junk together very well, and it's it's good fun. <laughs> No, I was I was even underlining stuff yesterday uh, as I was reading. I was like, "Oh my god, you you talk like I think, and it's freaking me out, man! It's freaking me out." <laughs> <laughs> but is it, you know, it's um, I guess it's a common theme what that us humans have just in general of uh, we wake up with like hopefully we wake up with hope. If we well, I kind of wake up with dread, but there's some hope in there. I guess is what it is. Yeah, that for me, I wake I wake up going really but then there's that little that little corner that little star in the peripheral that goes but maybe and i go i know <laughs> yeah 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 totally I, I don't think i'm a very optimistic person but i think i'm hopeful i think you can i think maybe hope is more realistic than optimism i don't feel optimistic at all about much of anything right now but i definitely have hopes and hope and dreams and desires for better things just even on a day-to-day basis what's your what's your hope for today other than uh being on this big time famous podcast that goes to about 10 people no i'm kidding Uh, (laughs) it goes to to 15 no don't worry about it um i i don't know i just i hope to get through the day without anything terrible happening and i hope it stays sunny because it's cold as hell right now and just having sun through the windows is is pretty good when it's you know winter in kansas and we're like we're in the real winter right now here it kind of like the winter here starts a little bit later and it gets these are these are the these are the harder months right now is it is it snow and freeze kind of thing in kansas yeah yeah so it's um our most of our snow is melted at this point but 
it's still pretty damn cold. And if it were to rain or anything, we'd be completely snowed in. It's, you know, I've thought about this myself. Wouldn't it be nice to move to the East Coast? Wouldn't, wouldn't New York City sounds so sexy, but we're both California guys. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm San Francisco and now I'm in L.A. And I'm like, would I be able to survive for two seconds in February in, in Philadelphia? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one that's had that experience. How many winters have you done that um, are not California winters? Well, I've been out here a, a long time. Um, I came out here in December of 2009, so that's like oh, you're a veteran. quite a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I I like it. I kind of like the cold weather, and um, snow is great. Having a snow, to have a nice snowstorm in the middle of the day is nice to sit by the window and watch. And uh, I think I've just kind of acclimated to it. Too. I still complain about it like everybody else does. You but know, but even I, I went to San. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go. No, no, go ahead. You're San Diego. I went to San Diego um, in December and it like at night it got down to 50 degrees, but I already like acclimated to it. And I was like, Oh my God, it's so cold. Like we got to, we can't be outside right now. It's just like, <laughs> you, I don't know. I, I think I just adapt pretty quickly to either being like a baby about it or being tough about it. Yeah. I, and, and that you were here when we did have, we had beautiful cold. I was so excited to put on my, um, my puffer coat and my beanie in Los Angeles. And it's just that, I don't know why that excites me to no end. I think there's hope that maybe the sun's not going to, we're not going to hit triple digits in summer. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the balance of, Oh, if it's this, if we're being punished now, maybe we won't be punished later. Maybe it's a guilt thing. Maybe it's some weird God thing in my head of <laughs> punish me now. So we don't get punished later. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Some weird magical thinking. Um, I I'm all for that we um we've had some really hard summers and i'm more up for a hard winter because the hard summer out here is just relentless you know when it's over 100 for months and uh, that's yeah. kind of a new thing from the last few years it's been but those summers are really really hard to take yeah this past summer was was brutally hot and you're just you know it's it, it exhausts all of your plans at least when it's cold you can just wear a jacket go out exactly uh, drink hot drinks no, in, in uh, Los Angeles, so I don't know if it was last year or the year before, like going out at like five in the morning and it's still like 86, 87 degrees and the ground feels hot. And it's got it's like, what? No. Oh, like can we can we get this down about 50 degrees? I'll feel so much better. <laughs> it's when I get this close to moving to the Pacific Northwest. Right. And then all of a sudden they had their uh, heat wave last year. But there's something about, you know what, there's something about looking at, about the sun coming up. And I think that that's a little glimmer of hope because we, you know what we want? This is just, I mean, and by the way, you know how I, this just, <laughs> I just have brain farts and this is how this works. But we want stability and like in our lives, we want a little structure and you see the sun come up and you're like, well, at least that's, at least that's on time. At least that's doing its thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, we are all clinging to some kind of, order in the midst of chaos right that's everything that's what i'm learning the, the, and it's what blows my mind is the there should be no order <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's i i get these like i get these like thoughts where i'm like this we shouldn't even be able to stand on the ground why why is this 
and then and then and it just kind of like shakes me up a little bit and but we, but it's um and then we tell ourselves stories about oh no how this is all so orderly and so great and then all of a sudden uh, you know little things little plot twists like a pandemic hits or you know um such such and such things and it's just like we could be shaken to our we could be shaken to our knees in like a second yeah absolutely and we're lucky to even have the atmospheric and the atmospheric conditions to even exist on this planet yeah you know, it's like a magical combination of things that have brought us here for good or ill i think for good I and mean, i'm glad to be alive yeah, no, I am too, and I cling, I cling to life like nothing, except except for that one feverish hallucinating hallucinating night when I had COVID, and I was like, <laughs> I had this thought. I, I was like, as I was coming out of it a little bit, I was like, well, I've lived a good life. If if this kills me, then I'm all right. And then the next day, I was like, what was that? Were you happy with yourself for a second? You were satisfied. What is your problem? And um, but there was but there was a weird odd joy of coming to a that when I was like at the worst of the COVID, you know, and I've been vaccinated and all that stuff too. This one got us is this one snuck in. And, um, but when, but when you're kind of at your worst and I, and I really had that thought where I was like, I I've done all right. Um, you know, if, if, if it all goes down now, okay. And then, and then the next, like probably within the hour, it was just like, what the hell were you thinking? You got so much more to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. This was actually the first time that I got it where I was like, I was at one point I was lying in the bathtub a weekend and I was like, this could kill me. This feels like it could, it could really do it. The first two times I was very sick and, but it was never, it, it never felt as dire as this last time where it was like, you know, this is real. This is, this is very bad. And it feels, my brain feels weird and my body feels weird. And this is, this could do it. This could definitely be what does it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it's kind of, I, I don't know, I've, I've been waiting for, I've been waiting for humanity to, um, to kind of step up and like the, the human collective to be a better collective. And it just keeps disappointing me even more and more. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what? But at the same time, I've also realized how much we just need our people. It's like, we need our little village. That's it. All we have is the village in the end. All planes can stop. Every everything can come down, and it's like we better know our neighbors because if we don't, we're not in our own village. It's like that community thing. Just it's it. I think it, one of the great lessons we're learning is that um, that we need to be in touch with our community and the people around us, and stop like stop kind of stargazing to oh yeah yeah, you know I live in this part of the world. You know I'm talking about me, but but I can easily get to New York to see my people, and I can easily get in. It's just like. No, your people are right next to you. You better. It's, I don't know if you felt the same way. Well, for me, um, I've kind of always really, I've always liked being alone and being able to be off on my own doing things and um, didn't really felt like I needed a social life, even though I have a lot of friends. Um, it was kind of nice living in Kansas and being like, I can choose when to, when to see people or I can be very social on tour or I could be completely isolated with just a small group of people. But this pandemic has definitely shook me and made me realize how much I like people. I want to be around them. I've got a lot of people that I really love and I don't see enough and, uh, and how nice it is to talk to somebody in a store or like to just go 
to the we have neighbors that are kind of far away here because or in the country but like getting to know the neighbors at this place has been has been pretty good it's it feels it feels good to know the people around you yeah just it it definitely rewired my way of thinking a bit for the better i would say yeah, I, I think so, too. I think there's an adjustment, too, because I remember when, like, we were in lockdown and, like, nothing was open and it's just, it was just me, myself and I, you know, and then I'm like, I'm getting really bored with me. I used to think I was interesting, but I'm not that, in, you know, you're kind of you're starting to have those thoughts <laughs> and then you're like, I'll watch another Adam Sandler film and then I'll, I'll numb my brain down, get it back down, my friend. But um, but the initial uh, going to get the first cup of coffee. And and the uh, the barista, you know, the guy, the guy around the corner, I'm just like, sup, Jose? And he's like, oh, hey, how you been? And and it's just it's like more it was more intimate than like juicy sex just to like be just to order a cup of coffee. It felt like I was like, oh, my God, you know, are we going to catch something from this? How well do we know each other? Do we get married? What do we do about this situation? And then after I get my coffee, he's like next. And I'm like. Oh, right. Oh, this transaction's over. This <laughs> that weird craving, though, is so weird. I even went to the dentist and the, uh, I, had to, I had to get gum surgery in the middle of COVID. The, the woman dentist sticking her finger in my mouth was the most intimacy I had in about eight months. Her multi-gloved finger while while blood was spurting. And, and it was in my and I'm just sitting there going. I feel intimate. Now. <laughs> this is, is this? Wow. That shocked me. <laughs> wow yeah you 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 hold when you were writing this book you you uh you checked into a hotel for a month I, oh I no not a month i i wouldn't be able to afford that it was oh, okay. it was a few, it was a few days it was when i was finishing it up i had to um i had to go back and forth on edits with my editor jesse and um it was i always do for the for the Few last few days of a book, I checked myself in somewhere and just have the manuscript printed out and and just like cut off all other stimuli and and yeah, I don't remember how long it was. It definitely wasn't a month. It, that would have been a uh, that would have been great, but very expensive. And that that you know, some people get grants for that, you know, or you just like <laughs> what they call them writer retreats. I still haven't done one. It's yeah. you know what's interesting though. It just came to my head and tell me I'm, if I'm totally out of whack, but it's almost like, cause, cause I feel like when I'm working on something, I'm having a relationship with my characters. I'm having a relationship with the project. It feels like a relationship. And, it, and when I come to it, there's days I don't want to be anywhere near it. And that also feels like a relationship. And then you come back to it and you're like, Oh, I'm glad I have you in my life. And that feels like a relationship. So it's interesting that when you're hitting the last, when you're hitting the home stretch, that it's almost like you want to spend time with your, with the relationship you're in. And it's just like, let's go to a hotel, honey. Let's just spend time together so we can just like clear this completely out. Is that, is that the, do you have that vibe or am I getting too uh, weirdo on it? Well, it's not as much because my characters continue through all my books. So it's sort of like, I don't, unless a character dies and generally that means they've died in real life because most of my stuff is, you know, it's, I don't, most of it's pretty real. I don't like to say what is and what isn't just because that takes the reader out of the story, but these are real people and um, they become a different kind of real within the books. And I'm visiting them all the time because I'm working on, I'm always working on a book. Well, what happens with me is when I finish a project in which this was a really weird one this time, when I finished this book, um, 
I felt like I'd been beat up and had somebody like suck all my brain power out for about two months. I just, I couldn't think and I couldn't, I had like no emotions and I just felt wrung out. I've never, I've never felt that way. I've always bounced back after a book with no problem, but I wrote this one really fast. And I think it was kind of an intense process to be in it like, you know, 10 hours a day and then to just completely walk away from it. And then I started writing another book using the same characters and that was fine. And I feel, I feel great. There's a beauty to feel, (laughs) there's a beauty to feeling that wrung out after a creative project though. It's like, if you just felt that wrung out for no reason, it's scary, but you feel that wrung out and you have something for it. And then it's just kind of like, Oh, I, I I did. I, I was at war. I was at war with, this project and now i'm just feeling the, the repercussions i think i appreciated that for the first couple of days and then a few weeks <laughs> in and then a month in i was like i just like feel bad i feel like i felt sick like i'd been wow. like i had some kind of some kind of like awful flu for a couple months and i just like had nothing i had nothing in my head nothing in any of me yeah it wasn't it wasn't good it was not it was not yeah. Huh. Do you know, have you heard of Aaron Comet Bus? Yeah. Comet? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was telling someone about you the other day and I'm like, I, I feel like you're kind of the Comet Bus of uh, our, um, uh, our 20, you know, these years. Cause I remember reading Comet Bus, you know, when I was, a, when I was a kid, he was like a God to me because I was in the Bay area, but I never met him until after I was like thir- in my thirties, but get the Comet, but com- uh, Comet Bus, uh, chat books that he used to put out and it just and there's just there was something beautiful and real and it was all and he kind of did it all on his own and he had and there was just a a, myth, a a method to it and i feel like you're kind of doing the same thing you have a method of all of your work it's, there's a I think I definitely have a, a method of, of what i'm doing for sure i've got a plan i'm definitely not doing everything on my own i've got a lot of people helping me out with this stuff mm-hmm. um i would I, I mean, I don't want to exist in a vacuum at all. I have a, you know, a good group of people reading my stuff uh, before it's out and I've got a good editor and I've got a good partner and I've got um, pe- the people from 3-1-G that help me out and um, my de- the designer, like I've, I'm definitely not out. I'm not very DIY, I guess I should say. <laughs> I was when I was younger. Yeah. I, was, I was very DIY when I was younger, but like, I, I like working with people. Especially now, I really like working with people. This book was just like such a group effort. Like the de- like the design was, there was a ph- the photographer Becky and the designer Brandon and um, the ev- everybody that put together the design. There was so much that went into it. And Brandon's partner took pictures for it. And I had you know like seventeen early readers that wrote blurbs or something like that. And it was, I think maybe because of what's been going on in the last few years, like I just wanted like a lot of people on board helping me out and being there for me. And it was kind of nice. It felt like you, like having a, like a football team. I don't know. I don't know anything about football, but maybe it's nice to be on a football team. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that, that's another discussion, but it just shows, it shows. Cause it's just the, the book, the book itself, it's just like, I, I can't even fathom uh, only like, I don't know if there's an audio book or, you know, even on Kindle, it's not the same experience. And this is why I love books because it's tactical. And then you add, you've added more tactical to the whole experience. Cause there's all the photos and kind of collage stuff. from just, there's, just, there's a cool jam to it. It just, it, it feels like something. Yeah. Like, I mean, this, 
yeah this one uh this one the designer brandon did a ton of art inside and it's for a while i i was of kind of the impression that a novel should have nothing inside but the work but words and now that we've been putting stuff inside my the extra stuff uh did you just freeze or did i freeze no i i hear you go ahead do you do you hear me Hello, Adam Gennady. Gennady, Gennady. My Gennady. just went off. You're, That's you're, what it is. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. I just, I think my headphones just died. That's fine. We, we still sound good. Hopefully we won't have that crazy, like, feedback noise. You know what I no, mean? No, it, 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 it sounds beautiful. It sounds fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Well, can, I, can I take a pause real quick and run to the bathroom? I'll be right back. Yes, it's bathroom time. And wait. It's time I've for been a flush this pot of tea right here. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've been, I've had, this is my, I'm on my second pot of tea and you know, how that happens. Yeah, I get it. I'll, um, okay. We'll get right back <laughs> to you in a second. I'll be right back. All right. All right, back again. How was the pee? Uh, it, was, it was as they go. It was pretty great, I guess. Do you, you know sometimes when sometimes when I have to go so bad and I finally go, it feels just like it reminds me of life, and it, it's just one of the, <laughs> it's one of the greatest releases ever. You're just going, you feel like a god for about thirty seconds. <laughs> it's just you're just like yes this is body function and then it's just like all out and then you're like oh all right then you walk out of the bathroom and then you realize oh wait i'm back in the world but but for that for those 30 <laughs> seconds i was god <laughs> you know it's it's funny you brought up what it's like being on a football team and not knowing about football because i kind of have the same thing i don't i'm i've never really been a jock but like looking at people who are on teams and the collective effort that they do to get to where they need to go, that's gotta be some bonding experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've always, I don't know anything about sports either. Um, I'm not a sports person or a jock or whatever, but I've always felt like the sports team idea is good. And it seems like, like this is what this country should try to be. We should try to be like, Hey, we're all on the same team. And the way that we're going to win is we're going to, not in a nationalistic sense, because that's bad. Maybe like everybody on earth should be like that. Um, I don't want to say like everybody in the country, because then it seems like we're like teaming up against somebody else, which is, I don't, I don't like, but you know, like everybody's on, we're all on the same team. We got to be, everybody got to take care of each other and be healthy. And like, if we all get stronger, then we all get stronger together. And I don't, we're not that way though. No. Small communities might be, but like not not countries or not the world absolutely not i don't think i don't think the powers that be want us to be in any way cohesive yeah yeah then we're too strong and then they have to knock us back down right it's uh it's it's not in the game plan um but it, and it's it's interesting because like and this is something that i feel i feel like i kind of watched uh, as we've been in pandemic is uh when we lost sports teams 
when that when when there was no seasons. And I think I think people went a little crazier than normal because we kind of we, we kind of need that weird drama in life us against them. I the only sport I follow is baseball. And I live in enemy territory because I grew up in San Francisco. So I see I see Dodger blue all over the place. And I'm like, who the hell do these people think there are? And then I'm like, oh, wait, who do I think I am? Right. I'm the idiot in the town. <laughs> but and it's just like, but it's still like it, I grew up around it and it's still a thing. And um, and I and I've talked to people about the history of baseball and the history of these two rivalries. And kind of how important it's been since the 1800s when they used to be in Brooklyn and New York, where it was still that intense of a rival. But it's almost like there's a there's a joy in finding that struggle outside of ourselves in a, in a kind of a safe place with rules to the game. And we get and people, you know, people kind of think that they, they don't know. I don't need rules. Everyone's craving rules. They want to know the rules of the game. It's 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 weird. And I think that sports can kind of like tap that where it's just like. Yeah, the I they you know, the Dodgers need to die like the scum they are, but I would never think that of anyone in real life. But I get to play that. I get to like almost role play that role to all these poor you know to all these young fellas who are just trying to make a living and i'm like throwing that energy out there but it's it's yeah maybe it's um maybe it's a problem and maybe it's like a a a stripper situation where people need to get their sexual energy out right but but i'm getting my uh whatever testosterone crap out of me (laughs) by just you know something as inane as a as how a ball is being hit it, it shouldn't be that important and it's not that important, but we make it important. Then all of a sudden it's a thing. Whew. Yeah. Maybe some of <laughs> us are, are warriors and some of us need to have war in other realms of our lives. Yes. It's like, I mean, it, you know, sports can be simulated warfare, right? Yeah. And the, and if we really think about it, like they say there's high stakes, there, there is no stakes. We could all turn around and not look at it. The stakes are gone. <laughs> but, but then yeah, we look at yeah, it. It's not and life the, or death. Right. And then the stakes are there. And it's, um, it's kind of interesting how quick, how quick, like even cultures can change, you know, where it's just like you, you, the people look at something and they're like, oh, that's the new high stakes. And you're like, that's not really high stakes. But everyone's looking at the same thing and they're creating the stakes for it. And, then, you know, and I don't want to bring up Trump, but I was, you know, so many of my friends, you know, I'm not a Trump guy. Everyone hates Trump, but they keep talking about Trump. Look at me right now. I'm talking about him. What's my problem? I'm looking at him and it's my fault. I shouldn't be looking at him. You just turn around, you just turn around. And there's no if you just turn around from baseball, it doesn't matter. Turn around from awful people. They, there's no fuel for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've got I think. I don't think I have like much of a, a war spirit in me. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know why. Everybody's different, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I like playing sports. Like I like I um, had some family that visited this summer, and like we played baseball. Mm-hmm. It was great. I don't really have the desire to like follow it, but like I I definitely appreciate the physical activity of sports. I've never played football besides flag football in high school and that wasn't fun but like i right. can totally get behind most of that stuff i'm not like a couch potato at all 
Yeah, yeah, I remember flag football in uh, school, and I, I didn't, you know, I would, I would always be hurt. I'm the guy that's just like, you're blocking. I'm like, blocking what? This guy is gonna kill me, and then it's like, boom, done. Okay, next play, and I'm like, ow. <laughs> that's my safe word too. Ow, no, <laughs> stop. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah, it's um the what what was I what was I thinking? I was thinking for a second. I completely forgot. But yeah, the playing sports versus watching sports and just giving attention to anything. But it, it's, I, th- I think, you know, here's, here's, here's the thought that comes to is we need stakes and we need drama in our life. And some people will turn to sports and others turn to books and others turn to film. And, the, and it's just like, and, and I'm, film is just like ingrained in me because I like, I'm teaching th- three classes on it this quarter. So it's just like, all we're talking about is screenplays and how much drama needs to be crushed into 90 minutes and how it's not how real life works, but we have this fascination to watch high conflict drama for 90 minutes to keep our attention. And it's, and it's almost like we're looking for external struggle and other people to go through things that we think in our head. It's like, Oh yeah, I've been through that even though it took me 10 years and they're condensing it down to 60 minute, you know, timeframes. Yeah. Well, we relate to the world through narratives, right? So yeah, we've, we grew, we've all grown up with stories and we've all grown up being told that, that there can't be a hero without a villain. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think we're all just wired that way for different reasons. I mean, I, I'm definitely on more on the storytelling side and the, and the narrative side than anything else but it's 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 part of our it's part of our structure it's almost yeah it's almost like we it's all and, and what i you know it's like even as I, as i started going back out into the world where you see people that look at you and they're just like you got a mustache you son of a bitch you know and i'm just and i'm like thank you for looking at me and judging me i don't know if you've ever <laughs> read if you've ever read tribe by sebastian younger but it's 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 just it's um he talks about how in prison because i always thought oh you'd want to be in solitary confinement because you'd be away from the violence but people lose their minds in solitary because they would rather be around high violence and the possibility of being killed because our human need for just eye contact, even if it's bad eye contact or good eye contact, it's almost like it's built in us to have, we need that constant assessment of, is this person a threat? It's not a threat. Is this person judging me? Are they judging me? Is there a booger in my nose? Maybe there's a booger in my nose. It's, you know, it, it's like our brain needs that in a weird way. That's why I had yeah. sex oh, yeah, with I mean- my barista at the cafe. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely realizing that that more recently. Um, moving from San Diego to Kansas, I like I the 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 way you interact with people definitely changes. There's a lot more people that look at you and go like, "What's wrong with you mm-hmm. out here?" There's mm-hmm. a lot more like posturing. Um, you know, there's I my last place I lived down the street from like actual neo Nazis with you know SS tattoos, and there's people like there's a lot of people out here that look at you or look at me differently and go like what, what's wrong with you you're you're a different animal something's wrong something's wrong yeah if their senses go up um uh that's i don't know how i got to talking about that but that's um that's an interaction you see a lot more out here and then going home to san diego not so much it's more like people are saying hi to you in the street it and it's um 
and that's why this is this is why like I, I really it drives me nuts when people write about places they've never been or they try to write about places they're not from or where they're at because you can't feel the energy like if, if you're if you're if you're being if you're around a lot of people who you know got nazi tattoos oh they're nice neighbors but you know they, they bring me they bring me chocolates <laughs> But, you know, they just want to kill people uh, just for their race. But um, but uh, what do you call it? When I said that stupid joke, I forgot my uh, my thing. But. Um, oh, being in being in a city, I'm just like, you need to smell. you need almost you need to smell cities. You need to have the energy of the city. You need to know what it's like to walk through a city, to walk through something where you're those are your neighbors. Your guard is up, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I came to the Midwest thinking that the Midwest was going to be different than it is just be, because of people that I knew that had come here and then gone, that had moved to either where, when I lived in Portland or San Diego. And I kind of had this idea of this more like virtuous, um, hardworking, friendly, like old fashioned Midwest. And I kind of, it was like that for a little bit. And then it, it's gotten not so much like that. And then during during the last few years it's really not been like that oh right because the whole because everyone's picking sides in politics everybody's picking sides yeah so yeah. um and, and then, then they're leaning they're leaning into it yeah oh yeah absolutely <laughs> it's, a, and, it's uh, a tv reality show and they're leaning into it in such a huge way yeah and like i can't really pass as a true midwesterner people look at me and i think they can just tell that i'm them not and that that can be a problem too. I mean, not I don't go out seeking trouble or anything like that. But like, people will look at you and be like, "You're a little, you're, you're, you've got a different vibe." Yeah. Even in the suburbs of San Francisco, and you know, in the late eighty late eighties, early nineties, when I you know, wore my hair differently, I used to kind of cut it. I used to cut it in this weird way where it was like a weird bob, <laughs> like put me. But I would get yelled at all the time. You know, I was on my Vespa. And it was just, I was just like the bane of the existence of the suburbs of San Francisco because they were just, it was just like, what is, what, what is he thinking? Let's kick his ass. But it's, I just got yelled at a lot. And, and what was I thinking? Because, you know, well, I, well, I know what I was thinking. I was a teenager and I'm trying to find identity. Right. And it's just like amongst all these guys and mullets and uh, mini trucks. And I'm like, no, you're not my people. (laughs) I'm not you. You're not me. And they're like yelling at me. Um, oh my God, I was in, and I was at this show once I was walking across the street and I was, and this, these guys came up and they turned around in their truck and they came back at me and they're all, look at the poet, look at the artist. <laughs> and that was their insult. And I was like, going, huh, thank you. I think <laughs> but that was like how they were yelling at me. It was like, this is good. Let's figure out the best insult to give him. And they called me a poet and an artist. And I went, all right, then. <laughs> That was in Long Beach. Long Beach felt like a, a another world. I was like, "What is this?" You know, <laughs> back. Well, that was yeah, back in the nineties. I I really don't know. I don't know how to too much knowledge of Long Beach, but I guess wherever we were at, it was a uh, uh, we were kind of the anomaly. I guess. Right, right, right. <laughs> Even in the neighborhood. What what are you digging about the Midwest now? What what's what what do you what do you what what um. What what do you like thrive on living in Kansas? Um, I really enjoy 
where I'm at. We, um, I think the last time that we talked, I was, I think I was, I was in my old farm. And I think that was before we got evicted during the pandemic. And oh, okay. we had the, my partner, I bought a place and we had to, because they don't rent farmland out here very often. It's not like a thing, you know, like you don't rent acreage and we had all these animals and we wanted to live in the country. And we're like, how are we going to ever buy a place? We don't make any money. Then we found out that it's a lot easier to get a loan than we thought. And we bought, you know, um, what do we have like six acres of land. And I really like it. It's, it's, it's really nice being here. The house was uh, completely destroyed when we got here with holes in the walls and everything, which is one reason we were able to get it. Mm-hmm. And we've since fixed up a lot of it. And I like this area a lot. And sometimes I don't like going out of this area. <laughs> yeah. But there's still good things. And you just, it, sometimes it takes a while to find good things. And I found a lot of good things in this area. Good places, good people, um, good places to eat, uh, good stores, parts of the world, parts of the parts of the area. It's you know, it's just like it takes a while sometimes. It's easier when you're when you're like in San Diego to be like, I'm gonna try to find some cool shit, and you can find some cool shit that day. Yeah, but here it might take a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of work to put into it. Now, during COVID, were you able to like just repair the house? Was that part of what you were doing? Yeah, we um, we moved in in August of 2020 uh-huh. and immediately got sick Oh, that week. That was the week that we moved in. So we were moving in and we had been completely locked down and being really good about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And because we had to go interact with the world and go to, you know, rent a moving truck and all that stuff, got sick. Huh. So we were sick for a while and then spent the next, well, we're still doing it, you know, just like putting the house back together it was pretty thrashed and fixing things and making things livable and um it's going to be a process that'll take a while there's a lot there's still a lot that goes into it but it's beautiful now it's like it looks wonderful um it's a home it's it's, i would think it would be fun to just be just be fixing a place that you're living in while we're in a pandemic like you you like you tactically get to work and then you get to see the progress of your work and you could be there the rest of your life you never know yeah 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 i mean it's um i'm kind of domestic in a way like i like to go out and have adventures and stuff but i really like the comforts of home like i'm kind of a hobbit a little bit i like to i like to wake up at a certain hour and have nice meals and have a beautiful place to be in that's kind of like cave or a castle or a hobbit hole or or something like that i you know i i really like that type of stuff i like having habits and routines and um yeah enjoying enjoying the space that i'm in and i'm very 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 much into setting up spaces like i probably shouldn't have been like an interior decorator or something like that yeah and that would have been smarter and i would have made a lot more money but i really like setting up the space but would it have been as interesting? No, it been, I wouldn't have been very interesting. Maybe it would have been. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know any interior decorators. I'm sure they have their lives are probably just as good as mine or yeah. better. But um, I don't know. I mean, I could just do it on my own my, myself. I and mean, that's that's good. It, it's not your calling. It's not that itch inside you that no, you have. Yeah. Right. It's um, the right. And, and I get like it's like I I'm so about aesthetics 
and very aware of my environments, which part of me, which is part of the part of the reasons I still have a little anxiety about living in Los Angeles because I have to get in a car and the aesthetics I'm still not used to coming from San Francisco. It's just like I didn't have to have a car for so many years. I walked out the door and, you know, if there was uh, someone that was drugged out right outside my door, there was four people there that two of them I knew, you know, in, in Los Angeles, it's so spread out. You're walking by a drugged out guy and it's just a drugged out guy. <laughs> You're like, where's my, you know, it, and so it's that um, the, uh, oh, so the aesthetics are important, even to the point of if I don't have my desk in a certain way, I have a hard time writing. I don't yeah, know if you yeah. have that. Yeah. If, if you have to have things in a certain way, I mean, I got, I need to have my dozen pens that I like within reach. I don't need a dozen pens, but I do need, yes, exactly. <laughs> You're pulling out a dozen pens because I need to, if I'm writing and the pen goes out of ink, it just gets immediately tossed and there's no thought about, is there another pen around? I can't have that thought. Oh yeah, me too. I, I, so I have this little, this little nook that's in the house. Well, it's pretty big. It's a big nook. It's a, the, the library of the house. It's got a lot of books and I've decorated the shit out of it and everything. I like to have everything, not maybe like clean and tidy, but like there. Yeah. You know, I need some, I need my like totems and, and, and artifacts and things on my table. I've got all kinds of stuff on there to look at. And, um, it's pretty necessary for me. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost, it's almost the, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like when I'm getting into certain, uh, certain aspects of different uh, stuff I'm working on where the, where the, where it does take an emotional toll, at least I guess I'm reminded that I'm a writer and I put myself in this spot and the spots, how I want it to be. Even if I'm working on stuff that might be rough for my brain to, process as i'm trying to create a scene yeah yeah i was i this is kind of a new this new thing for me though um i was always like i can write anywhere i can write in a room of strangers and it can be loud and but then i when i finally like dialed it in and got this space it was like oh shit now i could get so much done and yeah i i, I wrote a lot of i wrote a few books during this stage of the pandemic like five novels cool two of which two of which have been published since then um but i've been writing like a motherfucker yeah with this new setup of like i've got this this good steady space the um yeah i mean, I mean if i'm not in my place i could write anywhere I, I could be on a bus and i'm writing and i and i used to feel weird about it 20 years ago i used to go people are probably looking at me because i'm writing and now it's just like it doesn't feel weird at all. I almost have to do it. I love, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time crossing the country by Greyhound bus and, uh, and I wrote on the bus a lot and, but people always fucking ask me what I'm writing. And so oh, really? usually like, I don't ever say that. I always just say, I'm like, I'm doing homework and then they don't care. Right. Yeah, because I, I I hate when people get in the business about that type of thing, and I just get kind of embarrassed to be doing what I'm doing. Oh, interesting. I yeah. I I don't have people approach me. Maybe it's because I'm in Los Angeles, but even when I'm in San Francisco, I don't I don't think I look too approachable when I'm writing. I, I, I look very <laughs> I'm like, I like I have an affable demeanor, 
but I also really know how to turn on the don't approach me, don't come near me demeanor <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe it's because I kind of look a little sloppy, but you know, I, I clean up well, but I can also look pretty sloppy where she's like, that guy might stab me with this pen. And I like I kind of <laughs> I like I like to have that thread out there just in case. <laughs> keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> yeah, I try to pull off that vibe and come off as grim in public. And it's just like as soon as you bust out, it's different when you have a phone or a laptop, I think. But if you bust out paper, people are like what's that but what's that person doing i need to go ask them what they're doing because this is an anomaly oh okay see i can never i never write on um i never bring my computer to a cafe or write anywhere i still i got mad at the local cafe in bernal heights in san francisco 20 years ago because they were putting wi-fi in and they were putting two internet stations and i'm like why are you ruining my life and they're like, no, Tony, this is how this is how everything's going. I'm like, no, it's all going to be dead. Don't worry about it. You're ruining everything. And then it wasn't them. It was just it, the whole culture was being ruined. And I still can't bring myself to go anywhere with a with a laptop and join these office idiots who are at cafes and, bring, you know, it's like, no, I always have pen and paper. And but it, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know why people don't approach me. Um, maybe I should look into that. <laughs> maybe they look at my writing. I don't know if, if, cause people like they look at my writing and they, it probably looks like I'm a, uh, it's, it's probably looks like a writing of a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. You look like you kind of make you feel like a serial killer a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I just showed you my he's writing. His hit list. This is who he's going to kill next. <laughs> <laughs> the guy in front of me. <laughs> written written not like normally on a pen but like you know how you put it in a fist and then you put the and then put the ink side out at the bottom of your fist and just lean it in nice like you're pain. yeah you're stabbing <laughs> ways ways to ways to uh, avoid the question of what are you writing homework's a really good one <laughs> homework is good um i and this i made this mistake when i was in uh when i first came to la and like Uber drivers would be like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a writer. And they're like, oh my God. And then they would like, they would start pitching me screenplays and they would pitch me what they're working on. So now that now my, my aunt, they go, what do you do? I go, I'm a teacher. And they just kind of go, eh, you got no, you, you'll do nothing for me. And I'm like, you have right. no idea. I'll do nothing for you as a writer. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in any position. I'm trying to keep my place, man. I can't bring anyone with me. I had that problem. Uh, I was taking the, Amtrak across country a couple years ago and it was all the way for, I went I went from Portland to to the east coast and it was you know it's a long trip and yeah. this guy was sit, sat next to me the entire time and I had a manuscript that I was editing of one of my own books and every couple hours he'd be like all right I got one for you there's a guy <laughs> sitting next to you on on the train and it's me and he he keels over and he's about to have an attack and he says as the killing over, I've got this treasure map in my pack, and you've got to do it for me because I couldn't do it. And like, and then then he, that would be his pitch. And then a couple hours later, another pitch. And they were always like really exciting, like uh, Agatha Christie, you know, uh, train mysteries and things like that. And I was like, man, I just write about like cars and drugs and uh, <laughs> the beach. I don't write it. There's no mystery in this shit. Yeah. The, um, 
I love it. I love it when non-writers have ideas. I actually, I don't. I don't love it when non-writers have ideas, but it's just like, you know, they're like, hey, look, I got this one for you. And I'm like, I have hundreds of them in my, I, I got way too many to go through. And then, the, and then sometimes I get those really uh, early days writers in my classes where they're scared that someone's going to steal their idea. And I'm like, no, you, you really don't have to worry about it. Your idea is really <laughs> bad and it doesn't matter. I hope your idea is bad because it's how you craft it. That's what's important. I want your bad idea, but craft it well. It, it's, everyone thinks they got like the, the next matrix and it's just in their head, but they've never put anything on paper yet. You know, it's just like, don't steal this from me. The Wachowskis will make billions, you know? So. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to like younger writers that are like, working on their first manuscript and they're like do i get this copyrighted do i like <laughs> how should i hide this from the, like really really nobody's gonna care about anything and if they steal it they're gonna do, if they steal your work they're gonna do it completely differently than you were gonna do it so it's probably fine anyway not to say that people don't get their work stolen but yeah i don't i, I love the last thing i would ever worry about somebody taking one of my books and and that's the thing is um everyone will do it differently if, if me and you got the same outline of like 60 story beats and we got our character and we got everything and they threw it to us and they said, you guys need to write this. Me and you would write two very completely different books. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and that's it, fine. It's how it's, it, that's the beauty of it because then, because that's, that's why I love reading and I love, and, and I just love this whole game because we really get inside the heads of one unique person. And, and, you know, it's, there's, there's different ways to come at everything and that's the beauty of it yeah, yeah absolutely that's that's one reason i like i tend to lean more towards writers who write about their lives because you're going to get the just the unique original vision of a person and um even when they hide it in in fiction like i've been reading a bunch of james ball recently and like you read enough about him and you're like, well, he was this character and he was this character and he was this character. And it's just like this rich and unique vision of, of who he was distilled through these characters. Or you read somebody like Carlo uh, Knausgaard who like writes directly about his life and nobody's going to write that book because they're not living his life. I'm not and sure he should write that book. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have, you read, have you read all the volumes of The Struggle? Yeah, I've, I've read it all. Cause I, I, so I, so I, my mom's Norwegian. I, I come from that ilk and, um, and I read the first one. I was like, well, this is cute, but I didn't want to read anymore. But, but I think I'm the wrong, I'm, I'm in the wrong. Cause everyone else is, everyone tells me they're like, this is genius, man. You got to read the rest of it. And I'm all, I don't want to. I've read it all. Um, I've got, there's parts of it. I like there's parts of it that I don't like so much. Um, yeah. My family's actually, actually Norwegian as well. Um, I don't have any. Don't That's why we're so screwed up. To the Norway side of it, but like, um, uh, I just read them. I, I read a lot. So most people don't ever finish the My Struggle series. That's one of the things that you'll find often. I, I finished the whole thing. Um, so should I finish it? Is, is this something that I should put into my into my life? I would say what you should do if you if you're curious about his work is to read his seasonal cycle, which is there's five there's four books: summer, spring, winter, and fall. Okay. And those are really good. The My Struggle stuff, I, I really like when he writes about his life, but he gets into these jags where he'll write about, he'll deacon in this, like, say, the final book of the series, 
he gets on this jag where he deconstructs this one poem for 400 pages of the book. The book right. is, you know, like 1100 pages or something like that. I don't know. Um, but like he, he goes through it and for like, you know, like this much of this book, he's talking about this one poem and that was excruciating. And then, then for the rest of the book, up until the last hundred pages, he's he's um, like represent. He's like presenting like what happens in Mein Kampf. Um, he's like deconstructing Mein Kampf for you, which I thought was interesting because I'm interested in the Second World War. But like most people that I know that have gotten that far could not make it through the Hitler section. Huh. It gets I, but, really academic. It gets really like, uh, yeah. It gets it's just dry. Yeah. I have his new novel. I still got to crack that. But it also, I mean, the thing with with uh, Hitler and World War Two, my grandfather was in the middle of that in Norway. And I mean, it, it messed with I think it messed with a lot of Norwegians in a huge way. That generation's just like kind of like, man, that I mean, it's, you know, they got the World War Two. We got the pandemic. They got the World War Two. And right. yeah, yeah, yeah. rough days. Yeah, and I think everybody kind of wants their war in a way. Yeah. Like if you, well, if you're, I don't know, I don't know if every they, writers you you want you want something big to be able to write about. You know, I think a lot of writers of the '60s were very proud to have their '60s. You know. Interesting. And maybe our maybe our war is is this time is 2016 through who knows when it ends. You know. Right. Trump exactly. To rise of new fascism and and the pandemic maybe this is our war it's not very fun is it it, it i'm uh, i'm i'm slowly reading all quiet on the western front um which i've never oh, read before and it's gutting me it's so this this guy writes so beautifully and poetically about absolute awfulness and it's just like yeah, I'm, I'm almost tearing up right now just talking about it because it's just like he brings together. It's just like, how do you bring together war and hopelessness and these young kids in the in the bunkers, but make it beautiful? How? <laughs> it just blows my mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It, oh, uh, go ahead. Scott, it's been a long time since I've read that one. Um, I'm not really pulling up very many memories of it. Yeah. Because it's because it's well, well, at the same time, there's a lot of tragedy in it where it's just like you read it and you go, I kind of want to forget that. <laughs> I, and I'm about to, I've been cracking Moby Dick a little bit here and there. And I know that does probably the same thing as what um, uh, Carl Overright does. I call him Carl Overright. Uh, Carl, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but dives into the intricacies of how to what, fight a whale, right? Or how to capture a whale. I'm reading Moby Dick. I've never read it before. I'm, I there's a lot of classics I haven't read, so I'm like, all right, let's give this one a go. And people are like, dude, you're a writer. You're supposed to read that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I love those sections that are the, the sections that are just about whaling and the history of whaling and the biology of whales. Yeah, Moby Dick's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward. I did. I I read. Um, oh wait, I'm I'm thinking of different authors. Yeah, I haven't read anything else by him. Um, I've got like such a beautiful edition. It's like, oh, sexy! It's got, it's got the the um, the woodcut blocks. Oh my god! This is a this is a beautiful, and it's really nice to read this in put, this kind of edition. This this was like some 
woodcut artist. I can't remember his name, but he's he's done a lot of books and uh, Rockwell Who's Kent. Rockwell Kent. Rock, Rockwell Kent. Like he did. Um, okay. Uh, he's I've got like a Canterbury Tales from him. Huh. And yeah, it's a good way to read it. I like that. Oh my it's god, it's just handy right there, isn't it? <laughs> I know you're like, what? You want Moby Dick? I got Moby Dick. You're like one of those DJs that has all the vinyl, and you're like, I'm gonna think of something obscure. Do you have Nurse with Wound? And you're like, I got three records by them. Would you like the hurting one? And you're just like, oh, whoa, mind blown. <laughs> we DJ books, man. That's what we do. We DJ that books. kind of right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love music, but like books are. Books are pretty big for me. Yeah, music's. Tra- I think music's really transformative because it's there, there's 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 way it the people are being communicated to without words so much. Um, but you know, and even like and even film. I love film to death. But if someone put a gun to my head and said, "You got one thing, and that's it. You're not doing anything else." For me, it's the novel. I'm like, all right, I'm out. Novel. You know, that you if if they try to take that away, my life is dead. So. Yeah, well, hopefully we won't have to make that choice. I want to make that choice. I'm dying for someone <laughs> to. I I want to. I, I I should make a short film about it. You got one choice. What? No, no, don't kill me, Adam. Thank you so much for playing along and coming on the show. Yeah, it was a pleasure. You're listening to 101.9 FM KPCR LP Santa Cruz. Hold it now. Yo, red man got the blunts, let's get it in That's why these women asses jiggling I'm like a porn star fucking in my Timberlands Sex, drugs, and money, get, get your membership Watch how I plan and expand, bro Watch a Rambo and a Lambo They say I knew the hot can't put him out He smoke weed in the club, let's put him out I got women give me hair on an e-pill And I'm like, there you go, like Johnny Gill Behind the wheel, it's even better And if it gets warm, take off the hot sweater I see you do it, do it anyway, baby The booming system got them jingling, baby They said I couldn't do it, but I fooled them all Had to play Tony Danza like, who's the boss? I'm in Jamaica, Mile High with a Mai Tai Good fella with the hoes, yeah, I'm a wise guy That's why I act a fool and I'm cool I take these youngins back to school like, yeah I got bad women riding with me like, yeah They got their own money and they with me like, yeah they buy their own car and they riding like yeah. I told them give me some, they was with it like yeah. Yeah, bitch, and you like me putting in work. Work hard to play hard, watch oh, how I play. Let's go, let's go. I love you, but they're what you want to do. That's why I grab on my oh, <laughs> Yes, sir. Yo, got the Ciroc and pineapple poured in. Got it flowing like the levee in New Orleans. Out the club to my car, ladies all in. Throwing up and I hop in the morning. Women love red, they doing cartwheels Even got red bottoms on their high heels Your boy heavyweight, get the picture 7.0, I scale on the Richter Hit the gym, get a little workout Grab the mic, pull a little workout N-W-K-N-J, real hip-hop here No DJ hitting the replay Look at that boy, he's showing off Go tell Bismarcky I'm going off Radio playing that bullish So I resurrect Guru, then give him a full clip Give him another one, then another one Jersey got bank, I'm a double up This kind of rhyme you won't find In a Target or Walmart in Al 9 I'll be lying if I ain't saying I 
one of the best foot in your career over you. Guess what? Yeah. I got bad women riding with me like yeah. yeah. They got their own money and they with me like yeah. yeah. They buy their own car and they riding like yeah. yeah. I told them give me some, they was with it like yeah. Yeah, bitch, and you feel like me putting in work. Work hard to play hard, watch how I play. Streets of love you, but they're what you want to do. That's why I grab a lot. Yes, sir.